Well, it's good morning. We're going to pray over our kids. We're going to release them. Thank you, Jesus, for our sons and our daughters. They are so fun. We bless them that they would know you all the days of their life, that they would hear your voice, that their heart would lean toward you. We bless them with health, with strength, with wisdom, and we bless all the leaders in Jesus' name. Amen. We bless you. We bless you. Adios. (laughs) Oh, you're welcome. (laughs) Oh, man. Amen. Before I get, we're going to do announcements and everything right at the very end. I I just wanted to go with this theme that started from the beginning with Ashley reading John 15 about Jesus talking about the love his father had for him he wanted us to experience the same, the same love, not, you know, related to, not, you know, parallel to, but the same love, that we would feel the same love. And then the worship team led us into his presence. And when we started singing about the goodness of God, and then Kyle pulled out that old song, it's not about me as if you should do things, ever say my way. <laughs> Let's say that again. As if you should do things my way. The next line says, for you alone are God and I surrender. Then Mandy comes up and she's talking about the surrender of our heart. And I want to talk about that just for a moment. But I want us to, to say, I want us to say something and then we're going to pray. I want you to say, King Jesus. Hmm. Say that again. King Jesus. We have a king. He's our Lord. He's our king. Whatever he says goes. And we don't have an unmerciful king. We don't have a king who likes to lord over us. We have a king who empowers us. Like Bill Johnson says, everyone wants a king like Jesus. <laughs> a king that gave his own life for his subjects, who paid the debt of his subjects. Instead of the other way around, every other kingdom, the subjects work to pay the debts of the king. Like right now, we're, we pay taxes to pay the debts of our national kings and, and politicians. It's an earthly kingdom, but we have a King Jesus who paid our debt at the cross. It's a completely upside-down kingdom. So let's say it one more time, King Jesus. Jesus, we ask that you would come and establish your throne on our hearts. Come be the Lord of our lives. We surrender to you. We opened with surrender. We worshiped with surrender. Mandy led us in a prayer of surrender. Jesus, we surrender our hearts to you. We rip open our hearts and we surrender. (laughs) Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come and release captives and prisoners today. Captives to fear. Hmm. Captives to rebellion. 
Captives to stubbornness. Captives to my ways better. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would come and turn our lives upside down today. We ask for revival. Would y'all pray that? Jesus, we want revival. You know what the key to revival is? Surrender. (laughs) Surrender. We don't like the word surrender. In our our culture, it kind of has a negative connotation. Like when you're watching fighting and the guy that taps out, that surrendered, he's the loser. Right? (laughs) In the kingdom, that's not how it works. Those who surrender actually win. Those who set aside their will, their passions, their desires, they actually win the race. How many of you feel like you need Jesus now more than ever before? That's a sign of revival. Because the truth is, we needed him all along. (laughs) And the fact that we're really aware of it right now is a good thing. And we need to live in that place where we realize we need him. That's called surrender. Revival comes when we live in a place where we're aware that without him, we can do nothing. Amen? There's a scripture in Isaiah chapter 19 I want to read. So if you want to open your Bible to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 1, sorry, Isaiah 1, verse 19. I'm going to read actually verse 18 because you know this one. Very common. Isaiah chapter 1. I'm just going to talk for a few moments because there's some announcements I want to do at the end that are very important. In chapter 1 here of Isaiah, this is God basically rebuking his people for the way they worship him, but don't really surrender to him. He literally says things like, I'm sick and tired of your religious traditions. They do nothing for me. I don't care for your bulls and your rams and the blood you spill in sacrifices that you say are for me, but they're not for me because I want you. And he goes through it. He's like, if you really want to offer me something, cleanse your heart, wash your hands, be different from the world around you. He's like, because until then, I'm not going to hear any of your prayers. This is literally a summary of Isaiah 1. Stop doing evil, he even says. Verse 17, learn to do what is good. Seek justice. Rebuke the oppressor. Come on. Defend the fatherless. Plead for the widow. He's just letting them have it. Come on. And then here's this beautiful, hope-filled verse right in the middle of it. Come now and let us reason together. (laughs) Let us have a conversation where we're on the same subject matter, where what you're thinking and what I'm thinking are the same things. 
How many of you have ever had a conversation with someone and you both were on completely different topics, but you were having a conversation and you're like, but you don't understand what I'm saying to you. And they're like, I totally understand. This is what you mean. You're like, no, that's not what I mean. You're on two different lanes. God is inviting us here to get on the same wavelength as his thoughts and to think with him. And the conclusion of that is when you reason together with God, here's the conclusion. Though your sin is like scarlet, it will be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Come on, amen? This is the solution to all the stuff he just said. Stop saying you're surrendered to me when you're not. Stop saying you're offering sacrifices to me that mean nothing to me because you don't have your heart involved because you're trying to manipulate me or move me. None of this moves me. What will move me is if you cleanse your hands and purify your heart, and then you come and reason with me. Think like I think. That's what repentance is. Repentance is when I begin to think about things the way God thinks about them. And he's saying, if you'll come and repent, if you'll change the way you've been thinking and reason with me, all the sin, all the red, scarlet, all the debt, all the negative that you've, you've experienced and are experiencing in your life will be completely wiped away and made white as snow because Jesus will pay the price. He's speaking futuristically. The sacrifice of the cross will pay our price, right? And then this is what he says. Verse 19. If, would y'all read it with me? Verse 19, if you are willing, everyone say willing, say it loud, willing and obedient, what will happen? <laughs> you get blessed. You eat the best of the land. And then verse 20 says, I love the if-then statements. It's like geometry all through the Bible. If, then. If this happens, then this will happen, right? If you're willing and obedient, then you eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. Ooh. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Willing and obedient. We talk a lot in the church that we're supposed to obey the Lord, right? I mean, like, the obedience is better than sacrifice. And we teach these scriptures on Jesus says, if you really love me, you'll obey me. But did you know that it's not possible to obey him until we're willing? The word willing means ready, eager, or prepared to do something. So in other words, willing means I condition my will to be ready to do whatever he says even before he says it. And my heart being in that posture of whatever you tell me, Lord, I'll do it, attracts the voice of the Lord so that I can obey him. Are y'all following with me? Me conditioning my heart, saying, Lord, whatever you say, I will do it, attracts his voice where he speaks life and he speaks uh, commands and words into my life that when I respond to that with obedience, then I get to get the reward of obedience. But I don't get to that place unless I condition my will. You see that, the word willing has the word will right in the middle of it. Will means our deep personal desire. Every one of us are ruled by our will. We have a deep personal desire. 
and we position everything around our life around our desires. The things we really love, the things that we really want, we make happen in our lives. Our will makes it happen. We will it to happen. Amen? And our will can be a big hindrance to our obedience to the voice of the Lord. Because sometimes I want things that he doesn't want me to want. And sometimes I fight when I should surrender because my will is raging within me. Only God's love can help us cultivate the right desires. I can't have the right desires until I receive love. Because love is desire. In John chapter 5, Jesus, who, who his favorite title of himself was the Son of Man. Did you notice that? All through the scripture, Jesus loved to refer to himself as the Son of Man. It was, he called himself that. He said, I, the Son of Man, more often than he gave himself any other title. The Son of Man. And Jesus is me, John 5, the Son of Man. I do nothing of my own will. But if I see the Father do it, then I do it. If I hear the Father say it, then I say it. It goes on down, and basically Jesus is saying, the way that I live my life is I surrender my will to the Father who sent me because I am so enraptured with his love for me that my desires are the same as his desires so that when he leads me and says go left or to be quiet or to speak or to cast out a demon or to heal, I just lean into what he's doing because my desires match his desires because of our love for one another. So many of us struggle with will. I, I know <laughs> one of the most stubborn people I know is right here. Look, I look at him every day in the mirror. Like, did you have to say that? Did you have to do that every single day? I replay those moments where I let my will, Jared's will, override what I should have done. And I don't want to talk all from this point of view. I want, to, I want to go to this point of view. Jesus looks out over all the people, and he was moved with compassion over them and began to cry over them because they were sheep without a shepherd. And he said to them, like, I, would, I long to gather you and to be a father to you and to bring you close and be like a mother hen and carry you like she carries her chicks but you aren't willing. I feel very strongly that the Lord right now is willing to do more for us than we're willing to let him. I feel like his desire for us is here and he's just waiting for us to surrender and to just say, okay, yes, Lord. And that willingness will lead us into obedience, which will lead us into eating the good of the land. 
If we look around and we find ourselves in frustration and, and things aren't going the way that we want them to go or things seem to fall apart or things are more difficult than they should, maybe we should look back and say, am I in a place of surrender or not? Because there's a promise in his word here that says, if I am willing and obedient, I will eat the good of the land. But if I refuse, if I'm not willing and I rebel and I do my own thing, then I will be devoured by the sword. Whatever is devouring the evil culture around us will get me because I haven't surrendered my will. You know, we talk about, Mandy and I talk about this a lot. I, th- I think that we together have made a decision to, to guard our will, our willingness, probably more than anything else in our, in our marriage. I feel like there was a a time where we surrendered like ourselves and our relationship, our marriage to the Lord. And then we were like, okay, the key to what got, got us through this moment was willingness. It was just a simple willingness. There was no special magic formula. There was nothing that just made everything go faster. It was just that moment when we said, I'm willing, I'll do whatever. Whatever you say, Lord, I'm willing. What, I hurt, I hurt you, I'm willing to make it right. What, I had a bad attitude here, I'm willing to submit my will to yours. Like, the, I think it's the key. I, I feel it so strongly in the middle of worship, the Lord dropped that scripture from Isaiah, if you're willing and obedient. And I just feel the Lord calling us. I, I feel like we're closer to explosive revival than you and I realize. I really do. Because in our conversations I'm hearing with you and with people in the church, I'm hearing this, this surrender thing come up over and over. I'm like, oh, I know we're tuning in. If we're all hearing it and we're all sensing it and we're all shaping our lives around surrender, look out. <laughs> Something's about to happen. Something's about to shift. Because the Lord trusts people that are willing. He trusts people that are willing. He trusts people that bow their will. Maybe you're here and you're feeling the battle the struggle with your will. Like you wanna, you wanna let go, you wanna release. Maybe someone here has unforgiveness, I don't, I don't know. And, you, and it comes up and you're like, oh, I wanna let my foot off of their neck, but then I'd have to let it go. Or maybe you're here and you've felt the Lord calling you really close lately. And like something in that childlike part of you leaps like, oh, this could be it. But then your mind and your will take over and you're like, oh, but it's going to cost me. Yeah, it will cost us. It costs us. The cost is I trade being devoured for I eat the good of the land. (laughs) I don't care what it costs for me to eat the good of the land. That's a better deal every time. 
it, if it doesn't cost a lot to be devoured, that's not a good deal. Not a good deal. Can we get what behind door number two? <laughs> Jesus has more prepared for us. Psalm says he has prepared before us in the presence of our enemies a banquet table, a feast. He says in John, he gives us his spirit without measure. Hear that word? Everyone say without measure. <laughs> Who determines how much? We do. Our willingness, our hunger, our surrender tells him, it signals to him what we're willing to receive from him. You're like, well, I don't have it all together. He didn't say if you have it all together. <laughs> he didn't say, but I still have this. He didn't, he didn't address any of that. He simply said, if you are willing, mess and all, frustrations and all, pain and all, anger, whatever, I'm willing to have the conversation. Come let us reason together. Jesus, I'm willing to have the conversation. We say it like this in our, nothing's off limits. Nothing's off limits. You can bring it up. We have that kind of relationship with the Lord, and we have that kind of relationship in our family. Nothing's off limits. You can't be around Mandy for very long and not learn. Nothing's off limits. We're going to talk about it, whether you want to or not. <laughs> I thank Jesus. Thank the Lord for giving her to us and our family. I don't even know what I'd be like. I mean, I kind of know, but. Who do you think you are to talk to me about that? That's not willing. <laughs> if you're willing, everyone say willing. Are y'all okay? It's a childlike quality, being willing. And the Lord wants to stir it up in this house. It's not only going to affect our relationship with the Lord. It's going to affect our relationships with one another. The defense mechanisms go away when we're willing. Because I know, let's start with the Lord. I don't need to defend myself with God. He's not out to harm me. Like, oh, but that feels like hurt. Let's talk to him about it. Why does it hurt? He cares about our hurts. The Bible even says he's near those with a broken heart. He comes close. So even if there is pain, he comes closer. But why would we fear the Lord and feel like we have to defend or hide or cover ourselves when there's nothing about him that wants to harm us in any way. He only has our best interest at heart, only. And if he wounds us, it's because he's faithful. That doesn't make sense. I know. I lived a lot of my life like, oh, that doesn't make sense. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Why would God wound me? 
until I got a little bit older and start looking through my life and I'm like, okay, every wound that I got from him, always brought healing. Always brought healing. I mean, it was by his stripes. Jesus was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity. He was wounded as well. And all of the wounds that he took weren't permanent. They did not lead to death, eternal death. Come on. They led to life and left to healing for other people. So I've learned, and I love that song that Corey Asbury did, Faithful Are the Wounds of a Friend. And that scripture has become like a, an anthem over my life when I look back and I'm like, oh, Jesus, I thought you were wounding me, but you were healing me. You were operating on me. Yeah, it hurt, but it's because you had to operate. You weren't inflicting wounds. You were healing wounds. So the thought that we have to defend and protect ourselves from God is ridiculous because he doesn't want to hurt us because he absolutely loves us. He loves us completely. Amen? Completely. And then as he loves us, we're to love one another. The two greatest commands, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. So guess what? Even if we've wounded each other, we still love each other, right? We didn't mean to. We didn't know. We were ignorant. We were childish. Whatever it is that's caused the wounds, we didn't know. And we can trust each other. So as we let the guard down with God, we let the guard down with one another. Because I'm convinced that God, God can send healing to us, just us and him. How many believe that? Like, if we have a wound, he can just send the word and heal us from it. Bam. But you know what I've learned? Most often, he puts the healing I need in community. <laughs> Hello? Most often, it comes with one another. He's healing me, but he's doing it through us. He puts the lonely in families. He takes those that are isolated and he brings them close because in the family is where we get full healing because we all carry part of the divine nature of God inside of us, all of us. And all together, we collectively bring the beauty and the fragrance and the healing of God in the community. And I love that he does it that way. He binds us to one another. He binds us to himself through love, and then he binds us together. We used to sing that old song, bind us together, bind us together. I don't even remember all, with chords that cannot be broken. <laughs> some, some of you might have to help me with that. We used to, I think we used to end some services with that, bind us, and then we'd have a love feast, we used to call it. And we would go around and love on everyone, and I hated it. It was my least favorite part of church. I was like, y'all can do anything else. Don't make me love and hug on people, right? But we, we'd have the love fest. There were services, I remember as a, as a kid and as a teenager, that that was all the service was. Hey, if you're offended with someone in this room or you've hurt one another or if there's something going on, we're all going around right now. We're making it right with each other. We're having a love fest. And those were some of the best services. And guess what? Everyone wanted to hang out after church because all the wounds had been healed. 
wanted to go to lunch together, wanted to hang out, wanted our kids to hang out again. Oh, it's beautiful. It is beautiful. And I, I know it starts with being willing. Are y'all good? So before I do the quick announcement, once you stand, we're going to pray into this. <clears throat> Jesus. <sighs> Jesus, we ask that you would baptize us in this willing heart. <laughs> It's that prayer David prayed, right? Create in me a clean and a pure heart. And then he says, and grant in me a willing spirit, a spirit that will sustain me. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would stir up inside of us a willing spirit, a willing heart, that we would be able to obey when the Lord speaks, that we would be willing and obedient. Baptize us in humility. We surrender our will, our desires, our ideas, our preferences, whatever it is that comes from the seat of our will, we surrender it to you right now. Amen? Let me say yes to that. We surrender our will to you, God. We have one king, and I'm not the king. I am not the king of my own life. You are. My life is not my own. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. Would you say that? I no longer live. Christ lives in me. I'm going to pray one more prayer. Would you pray it with me? I'm going to just tell you ahead of time. If you don't mean it, don't pray it. It's going to be about surrender and giving him permission to mess with us. <laughs> so don't pray it if you're not ready to do that. But Jesus, we come to you today. And we want you to know that we trust you. <laughs> we trust your goodness in our lives. We trust your intentions for us. And we surrender to you. Nothing is off limits. Nothing past, present, or planned is off limits. We surrender to you. We want our willingness to attract your voice. Because we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of your mouth. Where else would we go? When you speak, we come alive. So we ask you to give us the grace to have that kind of heart, a willing and obedient heart. Amen. Amen. 
All right. You can be seated for just two minutes. I need to go over a quick announcements. And if you brought uh, your tithes and offerings, we'll take them up right at the very end. Um, but we do have revival groups starting up next Sunday is the first one. <clears throat> so next Sunday they start up. Uh, I think this is all correct right now, all the times and the dates. You can sign up through the Church Center app or you can sign up at the back table there. Um, there are sign-up sheets. And if you don't know why we're doing revival groups, let me just say it simply like this. We meet in the temple for celebration. Hello? We meet in the temple for celebration, but we meet in our homes for community. We meet in our homes for community. It's a big deal. Revival groups are where we're going to cultivate God's vision for your life. This is not just for the church. This is for every individual. We're going to cultivate God's destiny, his dreams, his purpose for your life. They're going to be what we call apostolic home groups. I stole the, the topic from, from a, another person. Can't think of the name right now. It doesn't matter, but I'll give him credit later. <laughs> uh, Michael Brodeur. Um, they are the, they're best described as apostolic home groups. And so, yes, they will be pastoral. We'll take care of each other. We'll love one another. We'll, we'll become a family. But the goal here is to activate the gifts that God's put inside of everyone. We're going to really focus on evangelism, prophecy, and healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing lepers, casting out demons. We're going to learn all that stuff, and we're not just going to learn about it. We're going to do it. Um, every session is anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour, depending on your group. You get to pick your group. Some of them are in person, as you can see. Some of them will be hybrid, which will be an in-person meeting that's also on Zoom, which is cool. I'm glad they thought of that idea to do a hybrid version. Um, the two in-person ones are on Sunday, one Sunday morning at 9.30, one Sunday night at 5. We'll have youth service at the same time. And then we have one, a Zoom call on Tuesdays at 7 and uh, one on Monday nights at 8 p.m. We're starting with four. We'll add to them as we grow. Um, part of this, I guess the meat of the whole thing is doing, doing this stuff. So the first month will be about evangelism. We're going to learn why evangelism, what is it, and how do we do it. And we're all going to go evangelize. We're going to learn how to give testimonies in 30 seconds, 60 seconds, whatever it is. We're going to learn to be activated so that, it, so that we're thinking evangelistically. So when the opportunity arises, we were already willing to be evangelistic. And I, I can just tell you that just in our group, we've been practicing for almost two months with our leaders, uh, our first four leaders of the group. The, the opportunities to share the gospel have gone through the roof just because we've highlighted it, just because we talked about it. Like, I, I'm at a soccer game yesterday laying my hands on one of the dads on our team and just praying over him in the middle of the game. In Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, like on the sideline because he asked me to. I was like, okay, that's the Lord. Like, that's an invitation. He's like, just, he said, just pray for me later whenever you pray. I'm like, nah, you, you want prayer. Let's pray right now. I wouldn't have done that three months ago, probably. Honestly, I probably would have pulled him aside. Hey, let's go. We're not so conspicuous. <laughs> I'm like, why is that man laying hands on him? Because he asked. And those opportunities are going out, out, out like crazy. I'm having lunch with, with someone this week that I haven't seen in a long time because an opportunity arose and I heard the Lord's voice in it. I sent a text and he wants to meet for lunch and I'm excited about it because this person needs Jesus and I wouldn't have done this if I wasn't activating evangelism in my heart, thinking 
Jesus said, go make disciples. I don't have, I don't have any other options. If he said, go make disciples, who am I to think that I have other options? Well, I would rather do these other things. No, he said, go make disciples. And so that's what we're going to do. The prophecy thing is going to be a big deal. We're going to teach everyone how to prophesy. You're like, well, I've never done that before. It's really easy, and everyone is supposed to do it. The Bible says, eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially to prophesy, so that we all should prophesy. He said, you should all prophesy, because when we prophesy, we're releasing the word of the Lord over people. We're going to teach people how to do it. We're going to teach people how to not just pray for the, he didn't say pray for the, did you know the Bible doesn't say pray for the sick? It says heal the sick. He didn't say pray for people to have demons cast out of them. He said cast demons out of people. So we're going to learn how to heal the sick, to cast out demons. You're like me? Yep, every one of us. Because there is not, in the new covenant, everyone is a minister. They call it the priesthood of all believers. In the old covenant, only a few people from a certain family line were priests. It was the Levites. Only them only they were the priests, right? Only they got to worship and, and, and move before God. Everyone else had to follow their instruction, right? But when Jesus came, he tore down the dividing wall and he made it where all of us are now, a kingdom of kings and priests. So you're like, well, I work in the marketplace. Great, the Lord planted you there, but you're also a priest in your marketplace. And so that's why we call them revival groups because we want to stir up revival we want to see breakthrough. We want to see your friends saved, healed. You have favor with people right now that you probably don't even know how much favor you have with them until you take advantage of the favor. And I don't, I don't mean to use them. I mean use the favor. Does that make sense? Amen. So revival groups starting up. I'm excited about it. We'll, we'll learn as we go. So you can sign up today, please, at the end of service. Or if you already have, thank you. You can sign up in the app. 